0: All right, our scripture can be found on the back of your bulletin or on the screen. This is James 2, 8 through 13, as we continue our journey through the book of James. James 2, 8 through 13. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors for whoever keeps the whole law but falls fails in one point has become guilty of all of it for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder if you do not commit adultery but do murder you have become a transgressor of the law so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy mercy triumphs over judgment. The word of the Lord. Well, I remember the first time I shoplifted. I was, uh, actually it was the only time I shoplifted. I was five years old. And uh, there was this, uh, you know, they they put that candy in the checkout line at the grocery store. And there was one of those Brock's candies, kind of like the orange slices, except this one was green. And it, it had Uh, you know a spearmint flavor into my little five-year-old eyes I just had to have it and after mom said no I took matters into my own hands well as moms always know somehow she figured out that I had taken uh, said candy and marched me back into the store where I with teary eyes handed back the candy that was not mine I was terrified at being caught. I thought I was going to go to jail, for that's what one does to uh, shoplifters and thieves. I even knew that as a five-year-old. But there was no jail. Uh, Really, the way my mom handled it uh, was fantastic. I experienced mercy, uh, though I should have experienced judgment. This passage is all about judgment and mercy. I know how my mom handled the situation, but we have to ask ourselves the situation. How does God handle judgment? For many of us, we have a picture of God as that guy in the sky with the big stick that is waiting to strike us down uh, when we commit sin. We know that God is just, but is he merciful? The answer is in this passage, for it tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. God has made a way so that we who should experience judgment because of the life that we have lived can experience mercy instead. It's called grace. And God has made a way for each one of us that we can experience the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to look at during this sermon, this concept that mercy triumphs over judgment. We're going to look at three points. Number one, we're going to look at the fact that the law reigns. The fact that God is merciful does not mean that God is not just. God is just and merciful. So, point number one is that the law still reigns. Point number two is that I need grace. I need God's grace in my life. The law is not enough. And then finally, point number three, that grace liberates me to live the life that I. Want to live the life that I should live so let's begin with point number one the law reigns James begins in verse 8 if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture you shall love your neighbor as yourself you are doing well James here speaks of the royal law indeed he speaks of the law five times in this passage this passage is as much about the law as it is about mercy and we discover two important facts about the law in this passage. Number one, that God's law is to love. Now, that may be surprising to you. For many of us, we think that God's law and his love are opposites. But God's law and his love are not opposites. Rather, the law, which tells us how we are to live our life, tells us that the most important thing that we are to do in following the law is to love notice what he says if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture you shall love your neighbor as yourself you are doing well they asked Jesus to summarize the law What was the most important thing in the law and what is it that Jesus said number one to love God with all your heart mind soul and strength and number two to love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments now, it's very interesting that uh, James says that the royal law is to love your neighbor as yourself and leaves out the first point, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But the reason he does that is because the reality is if you're doing the second, you're doing the first. 1 John 4.20 puts it this way, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, we can't separate loving our neighbor from loving God. God's law is love. But this passage tells us a second thing about God's law, that God's law is unified that it's one piece, it's one garment. And as such, we must keep the whole law, not just part of the law. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of all of it. It's a very powerful statement, isn't it? The New Testament is full of a variety of different commands about how we are to love God and our neighbor. And if we fail at just one point of it, we're guilty of breaking all of it. James gives an example in verse 11, For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. In other words, if you've broken one command and not the other, it still doesn't matter. You're a law breaker. Now these two commands are very serious, so we can sort of, Take them, you know, at equal level, but what about something like just showing partiality? Which is what he says earlier here. If you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. And he's speaking of partiality in the church. Remember, I preached on this last week. Is what James is saying is if I give partiality to someone, if I give someone in the best the best seat in the house, you're telling me that I'm as guilty as the guy locked up for murder? And the answer is yes. Why is that? How can that be these two things and yet we're both equally guilty? Because God's law reflects his character. God's law is an expression of who he is. It's his very nature that's summarized and written down into uh, into the New Testament and the Old Testament of how we are to follow God. There's nothing arbitrary, if you will, in the Bible. All of the law reflects God's character. All of it. That's the overarching theme here, that every bit of it reflects who God is. And God is good, so His law is good. So what does this tell us? Tells us that obedience to God's law is an all or nothing proposition. There is no middle ground. You either obey all of it or you obey none of it. There are no little sins. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Not just our actions, but our thoughts the inclinations of our hearts, the very, very smallest aspect of our lives is being recorded and counted by God. Indeed, God says that we will have to give an account for every careless word spoken. Now, I don't know about you, but me as a human being and as an American, I want to say, there's a part of me that wants to say, that's not fair. I should be able to pick and choose what is the most important aspects of the law and what I have to follow and what are those that, uh, you know, they're not as important, frankly. But that's a dangerous game to play, isn't it? See, the moment that you choose which part of God's law you're going to obey and which part you're not going to obey, guess what you've done? You've made yourself a little God. That's what you've done, sitting in judgment of God's law. And the truth of the matter is we pick and choose all the time. Our culture does that. Indeed, even the church does that. You know, if you look at the statistics right now in terms of what evangelical believers believe about premarital sex, uh, it's astounding. The majority of evangelical believers believe premarital sex is okay. When the Bible is very clear that it's not. That sex is too powerful, too intimate a thing to be used so cavalierly that is designed between a man and a woman a husband and a wife in lifelong commitment to one another and yet our culture and our church says we're going to pick this law to obey but not this one see we don't trust God's way so we make our own but God does not allow for that We are under obligation to follow all of God's law, all of the time. Picking and choosing is not allowed. I remember when I was seven years old, my room was a wreck. There was a bunch of little stuff, trash that was around and big stuff, and my mom came in and finally said, okay, that's it. It's time to clean your room. Well, I didn't want to clean my room. I wanted to play. And so when my mom left, I came up with a brilliant strategy. I was going to take all of the junk in my room and I simply was going to stuff it in my closet. Brilliant! Who would think of such a thing? My mother would never check my closet. And yet, when she saw that I had uh, miraculously cleaned my room in such a short period of time, she went directly to the closet and saw where everything was. See, on the surface, it looked clean and put together. But I had just moved the filth from one place to another. I had tried to hide it. I had tried to stow it away, to make it not be that important. But it was. It's the same thing with God's law. We can't take parts of it and put it in the closet and not want to deal with it. Rather we are obligated to obey the entire law because God's law reigns. So what is the solution? Verse 12 tells us, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. We must recognize that the law is good It's a law of liberty. It's a law that's designed to free us. As a fish who is free when he swims in water, so we are free when we swim in the law. We must speak and act as we're going to be judged. No more picking and choosing. Are you doing that? Are you picking and choosing God's commands have you become a little God? See, how do you know when you've become a little God in your life? Here's the surest test. What irritates you? What gets under your skin so quickly? The Bible says in Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. But if you've thrown out that command, when people don't acknowledge you, when they don't recognize who you are and your importance, you get angry, you get frustrated, just like that. See, we must recognize, brothers and sisters, that we are going to be judged, that we are accountable for every thought and deed because the law reigns. This brings me to my second point, that I need grace. James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. You see, there is a problem here, isn't there? An elephant in the room. That not one of us has completely followed the law. None of us has loved our neighbor as ourselves. Therefore, we are all destroyed by the law. We're all guilty under it. See, if you think you're competent enough to judge God's law, you're going to think that you're competent enough to judge other people. And all of us judge others more harshly than we judge ourselves. We judge their motives, what it is that they're thinking. We judge their actions. We judge their speech. We even judge their appearance. And this passage is very clear. That we who have not shown mercy should be judged without mercy. Hebrews 9.27 puts it this way. Just as every person is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. What is our record of how we have treated others? We have not loved God with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. This is one thing you should never, ever tell God. God, just give me what's fair. We have no hope in ourselves because we have not judged mercifully. We should not be judged mercifully. But in the midst of that scary thought, there are these words, that mercy triumphs over judgment. See, there's only one person in the history of the human race who has ever kept the law of God perfectly. And his name is Jesus. There's only one who merits the praise of God. There's only one who could stand before God and say, God, give me what's fair. And the gospel of grace is the story of one who is willing to stand in our place. God has created a way so that we who should be condemned by the law may be found righteous through Christ. By his cross, we who should get judgment get mercy. While he who was the law incarnate and therefore love incarnate gets judgment because mercy triumphs over judgment. Hear these words from Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. Speaking of before we came to Christ, if you are a Christian and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Through Christ, God is impartial and free in showing grace to anybody who comes to him. Anybody. Wherever you are today, there is hope for your life that mercy will triumph over judgment because a way of grace has been opened which supersedes the law. So what do we have to do to take advantage of this grace? The only way to understand God's law rightly is to begin by admitting that you've never kept any of it. That you and I are, not base, are basically not a good person. That as you sit here tonight today listening to me, one not basically a good person is talking to a lot of not basically good people. That is the starting point of the gospel. So have you done that? Have you acknowledged that you are destroyed by the law? That you need the grace of Jesus Christ? Have you called on his mercy? For you and I need a savior. We must look to Jesus. It's probably about five years ago that our family went on vacation. And we had someone who was uh, sitting in the house and they were pet sitting uh, uh, we had a dog and cat sitting. Actually, we had the dog with us, so they were just cat sitting. Well, they didn't quite get the instructions correct, and so they ended up locking a cat in a bedroom for four days. This is not a good thing, correct? So we got home. You know, where's the cat? You know, what cat? It's, and we looked around, and we realized that this door had been shut, and this cat had been in this room. Now, when we looked in the room, it looked relatively normal it was when we turned out the light and we brought in the black light that things looked very abnormal it was like a crime scene if you will cuz the cat had been trapped you get the idea don't you see the reality is our hearts are like that on the outside things look normal but when you turn on the black light When the standard of judgment is every cruel word, every cruel thought I've had, every time I have not loved my neighbor as myself and loved God, we have to ask the question of the song, what can wash away my sin? The things that I've done, the things that I've not done, the things that I've thought. The answer is, Is only one answer, and it's Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. And so we must receive his grace. We must give up on ourselves. We must say, I'm guilty. No more pretending, no more posing. No more standing on our own record. And we must look to Jesus. For he is alive. The tomb is empty. And his record continues to stand and reign supreme. We must look to him for salvation. And we must choose to follow him on a new path. For he's given us a new way to walk. The words that Jesus said to you and me and to everyone who would follow him is simply, follow me. We must trust him with our life and let his grace free us from the power and the condemnation of the law. This brings me to my final point, that grace not only uh, uh, reigns, but grace liberates. See, here's the power of the gospel. When the gospel gets a hold of your heart, the more you know of the mercy of Jesus because you've been wrecked by God's law, the more you will show that mercy to other people. See, how do we become a person that shows mercy to others? And that's what we want to become, right? How do we become a person that puts up with other people, that sees the best in them, even when no one else sees it, that loves them even when they don't deserve it. We all want to be these types of people. And the answer is it's the cross. When we go to the cross and we recognize that Jesus did that very thing for us who did not deserve mercy but gave it to us anyway, it frees me to follow God's law, not because I have to, but because I want to. The grace of Jesus Christ is infectious. We need to be a church like this, don't we? Shows grace to each other. Grace to our spouses. Grace to our children. Jesus is our champion, the one that gives us a new heart, a new hope, a new love. If you don't have love, right now for your co-workers for your spouse for your children he does and he's in you and you are in him if you are a believer and maybe it's time to come home to Jesus Christ maybe as you sit within the earshot of my voice you're hearing the truth that I've been standing on my own record of my own righteousness for far too long and that that's a losing game And I would encourage you to come home to Christ, to turn to him and to say, you can wash away my sin. I give you my life. I'll follow you instead of following myself or others. Well, this is the good news and the hope of the gospel. We're all wrecked by the law. None of us can stand before it. But mercy triumphs over judgment. We can walk out of this building forgiven, clean. When someone shows a black light on our heart, what will they see in Christ? Nothing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it is enough. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Oh God, we're all lawbreakers. We all break the law.